You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I also want to point you to one of the flagship shows of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Peacock and Williamson, starring Brian Peacock, NFL analyst, and Matt Williamson, former NFL scout, breaking down everything you need to know in the wide world of the NFL. That is every single day, just like this one. Available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. I'm your host, your pal, and the kitty copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. It's Twitter Tuesday, so most of the show is going to be your mailbag. But the Vikings made another signing. They're making some kind of post-draft small-time signings uh, to fill out the rest of their roster. I think the roster's at like 86 right now or something like that. Yesterday, we talked about a couple of rookie tryouts that they're bringing in. So uh, Evan Kazarczyk, who is the tackle from Buffalo, Signed officially. Amari Henderson won't sign until like next week for personal reasons. Um, nothing to worry about though. And the other guy that they brought in is Perry Nickerson, who is one of, I, I'm just going to call, there's kind of like a, a big bargain bin of like replacement level slot corners, like Buster Screen and, and Perry Nickerson's in that group. Um, he's been in the league for a while. He's a sixth round pick. He played for the Jets. He played for the Packers. I want to say Seahawks. Um, and he was never like all that good. He's like a replacement level player. So for me, the way he slots into the Vikings cornerback group, which needed bodies, I think they only had like seven under contract and that's not enough to do the drills in camp. Um, you know, everybody would get like two tired. So it seems like he's just going to a fill out the drills and can't be a camp body, but also he'll put a little bit of roster pressure on guys like Harrison Hand and Chris Boyd, who are going to, you know, need to do that much more to earn their spot. That's always a good thing. So that's what, uh, Perry Nickerson brings. He probably will be veteran minimum as of this recording. I don't know what his actual salary is, but I can't imagine it is huge. So pretty small time news. Um, we're actually going to talk about the rest of the Vikings salary cap space with one of the, the questions in the mailbag. But first, I want to get to some that I couldn't get to last week. I had too many. Uh, and I want to make sure that I get around everybody's questions. So we'll see if we can't do a little bit of catching up today. Oh, one more thing before I forget. Uh, Kelly Klein, who was a scouting executive for the Vikings for a long time, is following George Payton to Denver. It is a loss the Vikings seem pretty broken up about. So you should probably be broken up about it too, about her going to join Denver. Um, and they are replacing her with other internal promotions, a lot of which are women, um, and the Vikings actually have a lot of women on their scouting team uh, it, relative to other teams, and the idea, I, we actually talked about it on the Locked On NFL podcast a lot, which I host every Tuesday, co-host with Ross Jackson. He does Locked On Saints, and we do Tuesdays together on Locked On NFL, uh, so go check that out. We had a pretty cool conversation that I wanted to shout out about that, but let's focus on the mailbag, and so starting with some from last week, Big Tony asked, what's your recklessly optimistic Vikings opinion for the season? Mine is Patrick Peterson, second team All-Pro. I mean, look, I put money on him to win the, win the division, but most of that was because they were like plus 375 to do it and I thought the odds were really good uh so but I say yeah Vikings nah, Vikings win the division that's not reckless enough uh, Vikings win the NFC go to the Super Bowl there it is recklessly optimistic you heard it here first uh Lemon Die says would you do you want to trade for Julio Jones I probably not um I don't want to take on his contract I don't want to put that on the cap I don't think uh what you would 
need to pay would be worth it because you need to pay his contract and then probably some pretty significant draft compensation to the Falcons as well. They're not going to off him, for, you know, offload him for a for a third round pick or something like that. You'd probably have to start paying firsts. So I don't think I would do the deal. But I mean, if the price is right, right, anybody's available uh, if if they're available enough for cheap, then sure. Uh, cool Whitman asks if Juwan James, the uh, Denver Broncos offensive lineman who got hurt away from the facility because they were not going to voluntary workouts because they weren't satisfied with the COVID uh, restrictions. If he had played in 2019 and not gotten injured, but still opted out of 2020, do you think the Broncos would pay him the 10 million he lost by getting injured a few days ago? Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't quite understand the question, um, but uh, probably not. They cut him and um, that is going to be a really weird moment in in the union but i mean the nfl is a ruthless business so i i don't think if something else had happened in his past to have like better faith uh with the organization or whatever i, I don't think that would have made a difference no I'm, i guess i'm a little cynical that way landon renley asks uh how much do you think coaches rely on stats versus the eye test i love this question most all i think teams have an analytics department now so it informs their uh, they're, they're scouting for sure. Here's what I would say. If you think stats and the eye test are like these diametrically opposed things that, you know, one tells you one thing, one tells you the other, and you have to pick which one to try, then I think you're doing it wrong. Um, I think that the eye test is informed by stats and informs stats. Stats are informed by the eye test. I think it's, they're, they're kind of a symbiotic thing. If you see a lot of production, but what you see on tape doesn't match that, that tells you a more complete and nuanced story than if you just kind of decided to believe one or the other. People, you know, players aren't a binary between good and bad. They're a package of traits and, and skills and abilities that you have to kind of figure out how to use strategically. Um, and stats can help inform that part of the story, but there are parts of, of the story with every NFL player that just aren't measured by any traditional stats, that stats just kind of don't engage with. And that's not a, an indictment of stats at all. They're, they're very important. I use them all the time, analytics and stuff. That's great. Um, but I don't think that stats in the eye test are this like diametrically opposed thing. I think it's all part of a big recipe that puts together an evaluation and you do your best with that. Daniel Chase asked, despite the Vi Vikes having a pretty efficient red zone offense, any chance they throw in some Mond goal line package seems like a bit of a recent trend with Hill and Brissett. That would be sick. I would love that. That'd be super awesome. I don't think they do it because uh, install time is a precious asset uh, that, you know, with with shortened camp last year, um, you know, people behind the eight ball, if camp gets shortened for any reason this year, which is, I don't think, impossible, but I wouldn't bet on, I guess. But I do think if they can find a way to install it without significantly sacrificing other uh, important install moments, you know, other important developmental things like what we talk about, you know, with the project players that have to develop and stuff, the more time you spend kind of doing weird stuff like that, the less time you can spend on the fundamentals and the things that, uh, you know, if, if a player doesn't have is, you know, way, way, way more important to get to them. If they can find a way, sure, yeah, I think strategically it's totally fine, but you just have to find a way to install it. We got a lot more questions uh, coming up, but first I want to talk to you about the NBA playoffs that are coming up. They got this weird play-in tournament thing. There's even a special at betonline.ag of whether or not a 10 seed makes the NFL playoffs. So that is the Spurs and the Hornets. And if you think they can win their play-ins, that's plus 275. And you actually only need one of those to make it. So if they, if you think a 10 seed can advance to the NBA playoffs, head on over to BetOnline and bet it. If you don't have an account, no worries. It's free to set up an account. Uh, just enter your name and I think an email address and you can get that going. And then you can enter your first deposit. When you actually 
actually deposit money to gamble with. Enter promo code LOCKED ON, L O C K E D O N, all one word, and you get a 50% welcome bonus. That means for each 100 bucks, let's say, you put in for your first deposit, you get 50 bucks on top of that. For 150 total, you get that in free play money. So head on over to betonline.ag. Take advantage of that promo code and get a gambling. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I also want to talk to you about Built Bar, best tasting protein bar on the planet. It's all covered in 100% chocolate, low in calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and it's even keto friendly. If you're into that, and it's this delicious indulgent treat that you feel like you shouldn't be able to have, but you absolutely can if you're trying to lose or maintain weight. You can head over to BuiltBar.com, buy a box for yourself, and get 15% off with our promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, again, all one word, Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Continuing on with the mailbag, a really interesting one comes from Chris, who says, how different do you think the Vikings roster would be if there had been a preseason last year? So I think that there are players like Neville Clark, who I was pretty high on as an undrafted free agent, that had a much better chance of making the team if there had been a preseason for him to play in. And you probably would have seen some of the draft picks maybe make the team as well. Um, You know, guys like Brian Cole got cut before the end of camp, so he probably wouldn't have, right? Um, But that always changes things. Maybe you would have seen a a better production from, say, K.J. Osborne or something. Maybe you would have seen somebody earn a job. I think that actually had a lot to do with how Ross and all the rosters kind of ended up going chalk draft picks made the team undrafted guys didn't by and large, you know, there's exceptions here and there. Um, but everything kind of went chalk because nobody really had the chance to prove themselves. And then you get guys like Amari Henderson who didn't make the team in Jacksonville because there wasn't a preseason and gets another chance now. And I wonder if those kind of guys will have a decent chance to make it uh, in the actual preseason. They're going to have a preseason this time, three games now, which disappoints me, but I'm a, a big preseason junkie. Eli says, if you could design an NFL player in a lab genetically engineered precisely and trained from birth to play any position besides QB on the Vikings, how would you build and train a player and at what position? So I am inspired by the kicker thing that went around, a viral question that went around. If there was a kicker that could make a field goal from any range 100% of the time, so any range on the field could always make a field goal, where would that person go? I would build that player. That would be the best offensive player in the history of football, and there wouldn't be anything that could possibly beat that. Uh, because so most teams, a good offense scores about 2.75 points per drive. You add up all the points that they scored divided by how many drives they had. It's a good offense. I'll have like 2.75. Three happens like twice a year. There are like two teams every year that have three or more. So if you could just score three every single drive, no matter where you went, no time taken off the clock or whatever, you would have a top three offense and you wouldn't have to uh, divert any resources into offense. You wouldn't have to pay a quarterback or any offensive lineman or any wide receivers or anything. You could just have that guy kick to start every single drive. And that might not be the optimal way to do that. You might want to, you know, play traditional offense, but have your kicker kind of turn every punting situation into a field goal situation. And you might actually get a better offense that way. But if you just neglected offense entirely and had your kicker be the whole offense, you could then divert every single resource into defense and probably double up on starters because the defense would play a lot more minutes, right? They would, there wouldn't, they wouldn't get rest breaks for the offense doing their drive. So guys would get tired. So you would be able to get rotational defense. You would be able to spend out the nines you have all pros at every position on defense and you'd have a top three offense to pair with it. I think you'd win just about every Super Bowl. Uh, that kind of kicker would absolutely break the game and that's the guy that I would design. Uh, another one from Daniel Chase says, people seem to associate wide receiver three with slot wide receivers. Would you prefer an outside wide receiver three to free up Thielen and Jefferson to play more slot, which seems to be a strength for both? Probably. Uh, that would be nice. Um, I wouldn't 
say only that, a slot receiver would be totally fine. Um, Thielen and Jefferson can play both slot and outside very well. Uh, they are not, there's no preference, I think, for me with those guys. Put them wherever is best. Um, so I think you can be pretty open to what style your wide receiver is, but an outside guy allowing you to put, you know, Justin Jefferson against everybody's Perry Nickerson. Uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty good strategy. I, I would be game for that. Ryan asks, what in the hell are the Vikings doing with the remainder of their cap this year? Seem to keep saving cap, but not spending in a make or break year for the decision makers. Um, isn't that interesting? Do you, are you sure it's a make or break year for them? Because they sure aren't acting like it. Uh, the draft a quarterback in a third round and then like worry about rollover cap. That's not what you do if you've been told that you're out this year if things don't go well. I don't think that's true. I mean, I, look, I think the organization's realistic, right? Like if they're, you know, three and 10, we're going to start having conversations. And I think that's always going to be the case. But I don't know if this is a particularly like, I don't, I don't know where the line is where they get fired. I don't think it's at the playoffs. I really don't. I think if they go seven and seven and 10 and they barely don't make it or if they're game out of the playoffs again, I don't think those guys lose their jobs. I think then they're on the hot seat. Um, but I don't think they are right now. Um, but in terms of the question about their cap, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, maybe they are saving it for extensions. Maybe they want to give Daniel Hunter a raise. Um, I, I don't think they have to spend 2021 cap space to do so, uh, but maybe they want to give him more of a raise than I had planned for when I did all that work. So I don't know what kind of contract that could be. Um, they could be waiting for free agents. Uh, they could be waiting for Kyle Rudolph's money to kick in on June 1st and go out and get other, you know, defensive line free agents or something like that. I, I, I don't really know. I haven't really looked into who's out there in the defensive line or anything. I'm just going to kind of wait and cover guys as they come to the Vikings. Um, but I, I would be pretty befuddled if they just rolled over a lot of salary cap, especially because of the sacrifices they made, like you know, cutting Riley Reef and cutting Kyle Rudolph and stuff, and they're just not using that space and just rolling it over. You can't put cap space on the field. And I would be kind of, uh, I would be confused. Yeah, definitely puzzled if they, uh, if they did that. Waka Waka says, how much do you attribute Vikings coaching to previous mid-round O-line failures? I know you've said previously the Vikings are at a place are, are a place where good O-line prospects go to die. How worried should we be about Derisaw and Davis with our coaching? Um, so Davis, I don't think, needs a ton of coaching. I talked about him yesterday. I think he actually is pretty close to day one ready, if not already, depending on, on how much you are annoyed by his second level failures. Um, so I, I don't think that that is going to have to... I mean, look, coaches can ruin any player. I don't think they're like that bad, though, but I do think there's like a wire crossed with the philosophy that the Vikings have taken, where they take these athletic guys that need a lot of development, and then they put them in environments where they have to start right away and change positions, and they make decisions that kind of ruin their development uh, that they so badly needed. There's like the, the way they think in draft and the way they think in like training camp is so backwards from each other, and they, they don't align very well. Um, Derisaw and Davis are not guys that like need a bunch of development, I, I don't think. I think they're a lot more polished prospects, so I think that is... A a shirking of that philosophy. Um, and so that is, a, I guess, a reason for optimism for me. I'm an ampersand says, which current Vikings player or staff is the biggest obstacle to the team's success? And why is it Rick Dennison? I love this question. Uh, it's a hard one for me to figure out. I think I don't pe think people are going to like this one. But I think it's Kirk Cousins. I really do. I, I think that he's, uh, I mean, look, he's on a market rate quarterback contract that's going to have its effects. And I think that he's to date, has not shown me that he is capable of putting together enough good games in a row without having a stinker to make me feel good about him in a playoff run. That's, I think, the 
the reason that I would say that I've never been a huge Kirk Cousins fan. Um, and so if you if I, I know that he puts up good stats over the course of the year and things average out to be pretty well, especially if you look at the advanced analytics and stuff, they all look very good. Um, and he has a lot of really exciting traits. It's just the consistency. He's just not consistent enough for me. And that bothers me. A few more questions to round this out. But I want to talk to you real quick about your car. If you're keeping your car safe, did you know that if you don't change your battery for like three or four years, it can leak on your alternator and cause like a $2,500 bill? Because I sure didn't until it was too late. That happened to me a few years ago. Don't let that happen to you. Make sure you keep your battery nice and fresh. And if you want a good deal to get that new battery, head over to rockauto.com. Just enter your make, your year, and your model, and you can find parts that are compatible with your car. Make sure you get the right kind of battery. It'll do all that research for you so you don't have to worry about being overwhelmed by all the possible options out there. And you stand to save a buck versus going to like a retail place, like one of those brick and mortar ones, uh, auto parts shop. You can get basically anything you would get at one of those. But Rock Auto doesn't upsell their retail customers as opposed to their wholesale buyers. That is how they get deals for you. Rock Auto is a family company and they're looking out for you. Head on over to rockauto.com, buy something, and when you do, make sure you let them know that Locked On sent you because if you don't, I'm starting to get really, really worried about what my monies will do to me. They are starting to give me some pretty suspect looks. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Okay, continuing on with the mailbag, Ali Cozy says, who's this year's projected bench guy who you think could take a leap and establish himself as a potential starter going forward? Rookies don't count. All right, so if rookies don't count, I'm probably going to go with a 2020 draft pick that I think would make it. And I'm, I'm going to do a hot take here. Um, I mean, look, Cameron Dantzler is kind of my breakout candidate because he already kind of broke out uh, at the end of 2020, but nobody noticed because the Vikings weren't really that relevant. So that's an easy breakout, but that's almost like too easy of a thing. I think Troy Die. And look, Troy Dye was awful in 2020, just absolutely. He was totally lost on the field. But I think as only playing the third linebacker role and just having another year to kind of have the game slow down for him, like he's somebody that seemed like once the game slows down for him, he's making plays all the time. And so I'm going to say it's it's Troy Dye as the kind of bench guy that steps up. I think it could be a number of, uh, you know, rotational defensive line dudes could be DJ Wanham, who, if you call him a bench guy, I'm now a lot more uh, happy about him, his plays on the roster. I don't want him as a starter, but as a bench guy, he could be a really interesting rotational player. Uh, I think another easy one would maybe be Tyler Conklin, who might get a lot of reps here, considering that they didn't really get like a fifth skill player, really. And he might get that job kind of by default uh, and just get a lot of 12 personnel reps. And he might just be a good receiver. I, I do like him, actually, as a second tight end. I think he is, you know, TE2 worthy. So I could definitely see him being a guy that takes a bit of a leap. Or if you count Irv Smith as a bench guy, that would take a leap. I guess that would count. But I feel like he already kind of is a starter so i don't know it feels like cheating a little bit nick lesky asks do they sign austin prohl to compete with blake austin prohl was just released on monday uh sure yeah why not sam 99 says of the grouping of one of jones robinson and weatherly who do you think has the best chance to emerge as a reliable starter by week one where do you see each of these guys being able to make an impact in the rotation such as primary run defender primary pass rusher sliding inside as they figure out who can be the most complete player at edge um so for the second part of that question i don't know if they're going to delineate that way I think it's more of, you know, the first guy starts most of the drives and when he gets tired, you put in another guy for a whole drive, but they have to do everything on that drive. They have to do the run plays, the pass plays, the screens, the everything. Um, of those four, 
Who do I think the week one starter will be? Probably Weatherly by default, because because I don't think any of the other guys are going to be good enough to take it from him. I wouldn't be surprised if Janarius Robinson doesn't suit up at all uh, for any games. He just will be like on the active roster, but be a scratch every game. He's just he just needs a redshirt year to learn things. He's just way too raw, um, and that's fine. That's like part of his development, and he's a project player, and that's going to kind of be how his development works. No problem with that, but that's going to be how it goes. Um, I, I think the best idea. I don't love DJ Wanham's game right now. I think he's got a lot to add to it. And I actually think Patrick Jones has less. I think Patrick Jones has really good run defense instincts. And I think that's a really great way to get on the field, especially when your competition hasn't been excellent versus the run in his career. Um, and I think Patrick Jones can, can make it that way. And if he can just finish out some of his development, I, I wrote an article and I talked about him last week, so you can check all that stuff out. Um, I, I think he would be a, a really, it would be really cool if he could find his way to the starting lineup because that would mean that things have come along very, very well. I don't think Patrick Jones is a multi-year project player. I think he can be at some point in the 2020 season. If he comes along, it, it can come along fast. Like, it, it can happen. I don't know if it will, but it certainly could. Uh, Kyle Ostoyek says, if you could start 5-0 line week one, who would you start? So who would I start week one right now knowing nothing? You'd probably have to default the veterans in, right? Because you don't know how Christian Darrison, Wyatt Davis are going to like translate to the NFL. If I could manifest a an outcome that's perfect, it's the one that you said in your question, which he said for me, Darrison, Cleveland, Braz, Bradbury, Davis, O'Neill from left to right. That's perfect because that means that both of those players are good. Uh, both Davis and Darrison are good enough to win their jobs. But look, I think, and I think this is what's going to happen. This is what I would do. So that's probably why I think what's going to happen uh, is I would have Christian Darrisaw and Rashad Hill split first team reps and just see how that goes. With any luck, Darrisaw beats out Rashad Hill very easily. Although I do think Rashad Hill could be a little better than we think because uh, I, I I talked about that earlier in the off season, how his footwork actually looks a lot better and he might actually have something. Um, and Wyatt Davis versus, I don't know, Mason Cole or you know move Ezra Cleveland over to the left, have him compete with Dakota Dozier or whatever. Um, I, I'd say a Cleveland mason cole competition would be awesome and just give davis the job because i think he's week one ready but i'm just that high on wyatt davis and i know the vikings are gonna like make him beat someone but if that's the case and the rookies have won jobs that means the rookies were good enough to win jobs so like necessarily that is an awesome outcome and of course that's going to be the one i root for alexander fm asks are you in the wap mob or the parole patrol <laughs> and how do you like their fit in the mon pond you are all ridiculous the Vikings fans are just broken and diseased. I love it. Uh, I'm in the WAP mob. I love WAP Filer. I think he's got a lot of juice. And as a wide receiver, be short, be tall, be skinny, be big, be slow, be fast. If you got juice, you got juice. And and I think WAP has juice. I, I like it. He hits people. He's little. Uh, I, I'm a big fan. I really want him to make the team. Uh, in terms of their fit in the Mon Pond, I, I don't care. I just, he'll be good in the second team, good enough to make the team. So I guess he fits well. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> Danny Casual says, why aren't there any former sumo wrestlers turned offensive linemen um probably because they because of like cardio right like those guys are basically designing their bodies to be as like huge as possible um and just put on like as much weight as possible so i'm gonna guess asking those guys to do a two-minute drill would be a disaster and if you saw a sumo wrestler come out on the field i would just immediately go to no huddle and not let that guy come off let him get entirely gassed and then go at him every play so that's probably why Rusty McDonald asks, could Derrissaw's lack of finish be due to a core muscle injury that he had? If you remember, Christian Derrissaw has a bit of an issue where he's kind of the first one to be done with the play every time. Um, if I remember, this goes past 
uh, his core muscle injury. Like he had this kind of always. So maybe not, but I wouldn't be surprised if I heard that like, oh yeah, he was just trying to like not exacerbate his muscle injury too bad. But like, if that's the case, man, get off the field, dude. Like I, but I could see a player doing that. Yeah, it's possible. Um, but I wouldn't guess that that's the case. I wouldn't bet on it. Um, certainly plausible though. Thomas Sullivan asks, could Jesus microwave a burrito so hot that he couldn't eat it? Uh, probably not. Cause Jesus lived 2000 years ago. I, he wouldn't be able to even work a microwave, let alone figure out how to get a burrito like too hot. Uh, has he even seen a burrito before? Like, would that like kill somebody with that kind of gut bacteria? Like with the diet of a person from, you know, the year zero? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it would work. Forrester asks, if you had to prepare a will and entrust the responsibility of taking care of your bunnies to one player on the active roster, who would it be? Jake Browning. Thought about this a lot. So Jake Browning, A, lauded as a very smart preparer, a very organized person. Um, so I'll take that. Somebody who is uh, has a backup job in the NFL, so he's got the time to dedicate to this and just seems like a, you know, has the responsibility. I, Kellen Mond would be also somebody that uh, I, I think has, again, you know, lauded as like a, a good preparer, a good classroom kind of guy, which means he'd be able to learn all the different ins and outs of, of uh, you know, keeping up. Bunnies are pretty high maintenance uh, pets. And somebody that, you know, wouldn't have the stress of a high, uh, you know, a high pressure quarterback job, at least not yet. Mond might take that job, so then you'd have to give it to Browning. But, you know, one of the backup quarterbacks. Last one comes from Kurt with two C's. Buckle up, everybody. He says, I've recently become very in tune with Mars. During the brief conversations I've had with celestial being, Mars has let me know that it does not care for Elon Musk trying to send cars to it. And it's not a fan of the idea of people visiting it as it likes its alone time for crafts. That's fair. Uh, Mars also insists you are, in fact, not able to interpret messages from the moon. Also fair. I do my best, but I'm not great at it. Uh... In fact, when Mars reached out to the moon, the moon said it does know a Luke, but it's a different guy altogether who lives in Alaska and does not follow football. Um, yeah, so, I mean, look, it's like, have you ever seen the end of Her, where they all kind of, like, ascend into the singularity and they, like, know so many people? I, I think the moon is more like that, so I don't think I'm particularly important to the moon, but I, I know the moon enough to get a good scoop. Uh, so his question is, do you think the Vikings have officially shifted gears on their philosophy when it comes to OL, given the type of players they've drafted and brought in to try out? Are we out of the Dark Ages? I don't know if they've shifted it for good, but they certainly shifted it this year and i guess that is as encouraging as it can be right uh so <laughs> what a weird episode guys thanks for hanging out for it i'll see you all tomorrow we'll, we'll talk maybe about Janarius robinson or something else we'll see what happens in the meantime you can find me on twitter at luke braun nfl and the show is on twitter at locked on vikings make sure you check out the locked on today podcast uh they are talking about nba playoffs the the lakers have to go through a play-in it's gonna be this really weird uh path for them to get to the finals for lebron and everybody and company so Go check that out anywhere you find your favorite podcast, wherever you find this one, Odyssey or whatever. I'll see y'all tomorrow, and as always, Skull.